Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be up here. Uh, two years ago at Capital Link, I was introduced by Sean Day, my friend and shipmate, for over 30 years. Today, it's my turn to return the favor. I would love this to be a roast, and for those of you who know me well, you know I enjoy those, but I'm not up here to harass Sean. I'm not here to worry Nicholas about what I'm going to do, but there's a lot of potential material in the room, good targets, friends like Nick Tacos, Peter Evanson, Bob Burke, Gary Vogel. There's a lot of material in the room to work on, uh, but I won't do it today. So many friends and so little time. But in short, Sean Day is the most intelligent and modest person I have met in 45 years in shipping. Sean combines the unique ability to listen to others, yet do his own thinking. Sean never seeks the limelight. I know that, well, since years ago, I had to convince him to become the Commodore of the Connecticut Maritime Association, and likewise, I had to convince him to be here today to accept this recognition. And Sean, it's too late for you to change your mind. Sean's career has been unique. Born and raised in South Africa as a young boy when he wasn't surfing, sailing, or playing rugby, uh, he would read the Cape Times to find out what ships were arriving and departing from Cape Town. He attended the South African Merchant Marine Academy, sailed as a cadet for the famous SAF Marine, South African Marine, and then completed national service as a navigating officer under destroyer in the South African Navy, patrolling the Southern Ocean. And it's a warning for those of you who get seasick, do not go into the Southern Ocean. Sean continued undergraduate studies at University of Cape Town, which I noticed did not make it to the final four, unfortunately, Sean. He was then awarded a Rhodes Scholarship to go to Oxford, where he studied law and road crew. Sean's long shipping career then took him all over the world. Hong Kong with a famous trading house, Jardine Matheson. Montreal with Federal Commerce and Navigation, known as FedNav. And that's when he met and married his wife, Ginny, who's here today. Ginny? Okay. He then came to New York, New York, where he opened an office freelancing for banks, dealing with distressed portfolios. Distressed portfolios and shipping? Never heard of it. In 1982, Sean was asked to reorganize Navios, then a joint venture between FedNav and U.S. Steel. There he met many people who are in the room today, Ted Patrone, Fred Gordon, Tom Beeney. They've never been the same since. In 1986, Sean moved to Citicorp Capital Investments, uh, which is very ironic given that Citicorp is one of the sponsors here. And in 1989, went back to Navios to lead an LBO. In 1996, Sean was invited to join the board of Kirby Corporation, which now, I believe, is the largest maritime transportation company in America. Finally, in 1999, Sean was recruited by TK Corporation to be their chairman, where he helped build one of the great companies in our industry, taking them beyond their crude and product tanker base into shuttle tankers, FPSOs, LNG, and LPG. When Sean retired in 2018, TK named their largest and newest LNG tanker the Sean Spirit, with Sean, Ginny, their four daughters and families present in Korea for the christening. The Cape Times featured the event in a one-page special. Sean has never forgotten his roots in South Africa, with a local friend and 47 containers donated by SAF Marine, all welded together to create classrooms and dormitories, Sean helped create a school in Simonstown, which is the home of the South African Navy, for poor kids from all over South Africa. 
when the structure started to corrode away with Sean and the support of the TK Foundation, real brick buildings were built, and the school is now called the Law Hill Maritime Center and has educated hundreds of young South Africans who've been fed into maritime careers. From a young boy reading the Cape Times to young Law Hill students reading of the new tanker Sean Spirit in the same Cape Times, Sean's career in shipping has been a memorable and unique adventure. I'm honored to present my friend, Sean Day. Before Sean speaks, I have the, uh, the award, uh, which I don't need to read, but it repeats some of the things I said, and it's from Capital Link for Sean. Thank you. I'll take it down to the table and leave yeah, you here. Thank you. Okay, just one photo? Okay. Don't put your neck off there. Good afternoon. Rich, thank you for your kind and generous remarks. You've been a great friend for a long time. Rich is an incredible sailor, and one of the great joys of my life has been sailing with Rich. I'll never forget sailing back from Bermuda one time, and I was up on deck at one o'clock in the morning, pitch black, dark, and we were just entering the Gulf Stream, and suddenly a squall hit us and just about flattened the boat. Rich was fast asleep down below. He calmly came back up on deck, and together we brought down the mainsail and trimmed the sails, and he calmly went back down to his bunk again down below, having nearly flipped the boat in the middle of the ocean. Um, uh, what I think is one of the best, one of the best um, things about a good skipper is calm when there are problems, and Rich is great at that. Um, Rich, you also mentioned a ship named after me. I've got to say that when I went to sea as a 17-year-old on a break bulk ship, never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined that one day a ship nearly three football fields long would be named after me. So I've got to say that's one of the joys of a 50-year career in the industry. Now, getting on to today's event. I've got to confess that I was a little taken aback to realize I was receiving this award on April Fool's Day. But I hope, Nicholas, that was just a coincidence. Okay, on a more serious note, I thought I would share some thoughts with you today as I've reflected on more than 50 years in the shipping industry. And four concerns come to mind as I think about the shipping industry today and what we're facing over the next decade. Safety is always our number one priority. And cyber threats today threaten us, and in particular, I worry about navigation systems. Ships re re rely today so much on electronic systems. In my day, of course, we used to take the sextant out, do, we used to shoot the stars in the morning and evening and the sun in the afternoon, plotted all the paper chart, 
Today, they just look at their GPS and say, that's where we are. But it's a, it's a heavy reliance on electronic instruments. And I read more and more about hackers hacking into the GPS system on coastlines around the world, and ships increasingly finding problems with their navigation systems. So like all of us, in all of our businesses, cybersecurity is a major issue. In shipping, it's even more major because it threatens your safety. Second, we need to be ready for massive change in the industry. Very little has changed in our industry in the past 100 years. And I don't believe our industry is ready for change now. I vividly remember how the advent of containers wiped out many long-established shipping companies back in the 1970s. When I was sailing on an old 1944-built victory ship back in the 1960s on the coast of the US, I remember our captain looking at one of these funny-looking new box boats. And he said, those crazy Yanks, they think you can put everything into big boxes. What a stupid idea. Well, he was the stupid one, but he was echoing what the industry thought, and something like 80% of the traditional shipping lines went out of business when containerization came along. And I think that's a good lesson of how our industry has to prepare for change and be ready for change. Today we're facing everything from IMO 2020 in the immediate future to massive digitalization and much greater technology adoption in all aspects of shipbuilding and operating following close behind. Are we ready for this? Are we staffed to handle mega changes? Or will we see another shakeout like the containerization one? I think it's a real issue in the next decade. Next, people. People are critical to every industry, but especially to ours. Having grown up in South Africa, I was fortunate to spend many hours on the waterfront in Cape Town, riding tugs in the harbor, watching shipping movements, talking to merchant seamen. I fell in love with ships in the sea and avidly read the shipping news in the newspaper each morning. But I worry today that we keep kids so far from ships for security reasons that very few get access to them or even exposed to them. And press really reports anything other than bad news about ships. We really see good articles about ships in the newspaper. I think it's a pity we need to attract young talent to our industry. There are maritime schools that we at TK support um, in South Africa. The one Rich mentioned, one which my family is very much involved with, has been a big success. And we also support one in the Philippines. But we need to attract college graduates too. We need to attract techies. We need to attract talented young managers to deal with the new and very different challenges of the 21st century. And I think that's going to be an issue for our industry. My final thought is this, the most fundamental issue of all. How do we ever restore reasonable profitability in our industry? In a highly competitive global transport industry, how does one achieve a decent return on capital? There are virtually no barriers to entrance, as entry, as we all know. And if you have a very well-maintained modern fleet, you often find yourself competing with others who are low cost and operating poorly, operating poorly maintained older vessels. But you, you compete with them head on at the same rates. Our pricing often makes no sense. For example, one of the things I remember going into the Wall Street 
was how carefully options are priced in Wall Street. Well, we in shipping don't price options, we just add them onto charters as sort of, you know, part of the deal, just had a, a few options. Um, perhaps a digitalization of the industry will be something that can be managed for a decent margin going forward. Time will tell, but today, if you don't operate in a specialized niche, profitability only comes from playing the cycle correctly. And playing the cycle correctly is a combination of really good luck and some good judgment. And that's pretty tough to keep on doing that cons consistently. We don't like to admit it, those of us in the industry, but it's true, it's extremely difficult to achieve a decent return on capital. So to me, those are the major issues which the next generation of managers will face, and they'll be very challenging. And so I will sit back with my gray hair and watch from the sidelines and be very interested to see how the industry copes with this over the next couple of decades. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you, Nicholas, for this award. Thank you all for being here.